Jessica Merriman founded Momocon, a multi-genre fan convention, while still an undergraduate at Georgia Tech. With her husband, Chris Stuckey, she's overseen Momocon's development from a humble start to what is now a major event on the Atlanta calendar. What began 16 years ago with 700 attendees is expected in 2020 to draw more than 44,000 unique visitors, 130,000 turnstile visitors, to the nationally known animation and gaming festival. Switching to a digital venture this year because of COVID-19, Jessica has been working from home with her chihuahua, who you will hear from on this podcast, and working towards creating another amazing conference next year, fingers crossed folks, that we can all get together in the near future. Girls on Film is coming up right now. Hey, everybody. This is Sarah Smith with Girls on Film, and I'm here with Teresa Roth. Hey, Teresa. Hey, Sarah. Hi, everybody. Good to be here. And we are hosting today an amazing woman, Jessica Merriman, who is the founder of MomoCon, which is a huge conference that takes place every year in Atlanta, Georgia. And we wanted to host Jessica and have her tell us about her conference, which is focused on anime, gaming, comics, and animation, everything we love in entertainment, and see, you know, what has this very smart woman done to uh, react with her with her conference and all its participants and attendees and fans with COVID-19 um, being such a hindrance to to different events like this this year. Jessica, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys? We're good. We have air conditioning. I'm so sorry you don't have AC. Uh, it's okay. I'm under a fan right now, but <laughs> I should have it at the end of today, so hopefully that'll good. be okay. Yeah, and everybody, we're all in Atlanta, Georgia, and I think it's going to be 100 today. So we understand when, when the AC man comes, Jessica, you got you to gotta go. <laughs> so, But can you tell us a little bit about, let's go back to March of this year and you are planning for Momocon 2020 and then what happens? Well, we're planning for 2020. Um, our, our event is in at the end of May, so it's heavy, heavy planning time. We've been doing promotions. We've been setting everything up. It's looking like a great year. And then, you know, kind of toward the end of January, there's this, this, virus going around in China and we're like that that could be a thing and then there's instances in the United States and that could be a thing and so we started investigating our options and for a lot of March it was a lot of back and forth we worked with our city partners to see what options we had for a really unprecedented thing in the events industry um, we have a conference with 40,000 people uh in a single place at a, in a lot of places at, a, at times at a single time. And it's just not really feasible when there's a global pandemic going on. 
Um, but like we're lucky enough to work with some great venue partners, with some great city partners, and we wound up uh, going back and forth and having a lot of phone calls and a lot of uh, meetings about availability and timing and whatnot and canceling the in-person event, but running a digital event on our original weekend. Um, we've been running digital events for our show with live streaming aspects, live streaming from our show floor, some of our panel rooms, some of our celebrity guests, some of our tournaments for many years, uh, over five years now. And so we had a little bit of the infrastructure already in place for this kind of thing. Um, and we added to that some interactive elements and Instead of just live streaming talking heads and celebrity guests, we had gaming available on our public Discord so people could get together and play Dungeons and Dragons or they could play Jackbox games uh, digitally so they don't have to physically be there. Uh, and then we put together an Animal Crossing, actually two Animal Crossing islands, uh, Animal Crossing being the very big thing certainly earlier in the year during the early part of covid that are Momocon themed where you could see Momocon merchandise with your little avatar and you could explore the Island and, and things like that. And then we had a virtual vendors room too, because people like to buy things and uh, retail therapy can be important when there's a pandemic going on and everyone's stuck at home. I know to try to help <laughs> vendors. A lot of our in-person vendors do a lot of conventions and there's not conventions happening right now. So we wanted to help them out. Mm. Well, Jessica, um, for those people out there that don't know what Momocon is, give us an idea about, you know, what it's all about. Sure. Momocon is an animation gaming comic convention. Um, think of it like your traditional Comic-Con, but we encompass a lot of stuff. So we're more than just costumes and we're more than just celebrities. Um, we have a lot of video game tournaments, some major tournaments on the national scale. We have a lot of interactivity. We do... 900 plus hours of panel content over four days lasting. Uh, we run 24 hours during the show. We have tons of arcades. We have live open gaming. We have tabletop gaming. We have really unique features. Like this year, we were welcoming True Dungeon, which is a walkthrough Dungeons and Dragons style live action RPG uh, where you could go in and experience a dungeon with your friends. Um, and there's just lots and lots of pieces to it. We do live, live workshops where you have take-home elements where you could learn to do origami or craft pearly beads. We have partnerships with uh, robotics where we have robot battles. We have a partnership with the Girl Scouts where we have aspects that are qualified for Girl Scout badges and things like that where they can come in and earn things. So, And we also usually traditionally when we have an in-person event – uh, have a Thursday career fair in the game and media industry as well, available for anybody who's a job seeker. That is, that sounds fantastic. So what's, what's like the hottest game right now that, you know, people are really hyped up about? Well, right now uh, there's a game called Ghost of Tsushima. Tsushima, I'm pronouncing that incorrectly, but uh, it just came out fairly recently. So there's a lot of people playing that kind of in the, the AAA console market. Um, on PC, uh, I'll be honest, I don't, I'm not playing a lot of PC games right now, but there's a lot of perennial favorites. Uh, like people are still playing Fortnite. People are still playing, um, things like that, but yeah. So is cosplay a big thing at your convention? Absolutely. Uh, I'd say there's a, a humongous percentage of people 
who are there in costume. It is a huge part of our environment, uh, just of the show. It's everything from extremely elaborate, I put a thousand hours into crafting this costume, to I thought it would be cool to buy it on the internet, to I'm wearing a funny headset, headpiece and uh, a tail. Like, it varies a lot, but there's a huge amount of people in costume at the event. Uh, and a part of our digital event, to give you an idea, with the costuming, we have an, we had an online costume contest where people could submit short-form video, like TikTok-style video. Uh, and we had a showcase where it showed off the, the, they sent a picture and a video, and then people voted online. So we wanted to keep some of that aspect of the event in the digital. Oh, that's fantastic. Give me an idea of, you know, how did this all begin? You started this in college, right? Right. Um, I was a senior at Georgia Tech in 2005, and we had a very robust club for anime and gaming. And I was I was the president of it, and we had really, really good event space at Georgia Tech, too. So we're like, huh, we could probably do something on, on a bigger scale. And so we held the first one in 2005. We welcomed about 700 unique attendees. This, uh, to give you an idea of scale, in 2019, we welcomed 40,000 people. So I, I don't think I would have ever conceived of 40,000 people coming to the show in 2005 when we had 700. Um, and it, it was a, a lot different then. We were uh, a completely free admission event at that time. We were only two days long and on campus, so we were limited by what we could do on campus and things like that. But it grew very, very fast. Just the second year, we had 1,800. Third year, we had uh, like around 3,000. I mean, it was growing pretty rapid quick until 2011 when we kind of outgrew the campus. We got a little too large, and uh, then we had to move to the downtown area. I wanted to ask about managing parents. You've got you've got a lot of great stuff on your website. It's so thorough. I wanted to, to see like what made you start putting things together to manage parents and how do parents interact with your conference? Sure. Uh, we have a lot of ages, age ranges that attend the event. Early in the event, we, uh, we had a little bit of a problem with people, especially when we were a free event who, that would use our event a lot as a babysitter and drop their children off. So we have a requirement for people who are 16 or under to be accompanied by somebody 18. But that's also partly because we want it to be a more family oriented experience. If you're coming out, we want you to have fun. We added uh, subsets of our convention kind of throughout the years. Originally we were animation or well, we were anime and gaming and we added comics because the comics fans are older. There's a lot of young professionals with, little less than teenage, tween age kids, but they may not be into anime, but they may be into comic books. So giving them something to enjoy. A lot of families really enjoy the cosplay, going out and seeing, you know, taking pictures with the different people. But we want it to be a holistic affair uh, so that everybody comes out together and everybody has a good time. And there's other kind of peripheral events that are good for everybody to do together, too. We do a partnership with the Georgia Aquarium, where we'll do a, a night at the aquarium. We're walking distance from it. People walk down there and take photos and costumes. And a lot of people bring their entire family for that. Um, and, and I think that really helps the, the value for parents who have to come out here. Oh, my kid's into Fortnite. Right. My kid's into anime and stuff. And, but it gives them a little bit some, something more interesting to do. I want to ask you, and that's, that's amazing. That's great for people with kids that, that want to participate and you have made it such a, so organized and so friendly. Um, 
I want to switch it up and ask you about your sponsors. You've got some amazing sponsors. Uh, was it hard to get people to, to sponsor the conference? And are people asking you now or are you still you know, working hard to get, get more companies to come in? We feel like that we're very good at a lot of things, a lot of organization, um, a lot of we, we we specialize in marketing and some things like that. Sponsors is not something we have ever been what we consider particularly good at soliciting. We have a value. We think we have a valuable audience. We've been told we have a valuable audience. Um, our average age is 26, but the vast majority of our audience are millennials and Gen Z almost exclusively. And it's a hard audience to reach with authenticity. We have had really good experiences with the partnerships that we have. Um, we we work with some sponsors as an in-kind sponsor or bringing out talent sponsor. We work with some of the endemic brands that are in our space, like anime distribution companies, video game peripheral makers, and things like that. And they've provided really, really good support, and we've been very happy with it. We've not had a lot of more non-endemic brands, people that want to reach our space, but we're very open to it. It's just finding the right fit because we want it to be authentic for them and we want it to fit well with our audience. We don't, you know, we, we don't want some random sales pitch business thing there that was going to ring false for our audience. So we're very, very careful about it. Um, but that does not mean it's easy for us to find sponsors. No, um, we it's are hard. always. It's hard. And it, it's not it's not people coming to us in a lot of cases. We we do have a lot of in-kind sponsors come to us uh, to a degree, I guess. But we it's still a struggle. It's it's always a struggle. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's great. I want to ask you when you talk about an authentic sponsorship um, and it's hard to uh, create an authentic sponsorship uh, with a certain with. Uh, millennials and Gen Z. What does that mean? A lot of times you think of a traditional sponsorship, I guess, if, if you're outside of an industry and uh, I think of the BB&T Open or some kind of tennis tournament, you know, BB&T has nothing to do with tennis. So it's putting their name on it, getting their name recognition out um, is kind of the purpose of the sponsorship, but they may have people on site talking to them about banking services, but banking services have nothing to do with tennis. So in that environment, it doesn't necessarily, it, it, people are used to it. People are used to going to say taste of Atlanta and having a spinner wheel to win window treatments. It's not related to taste of Atlanta, but they're used to it because it's an older audience and, they're, they're kind of used to the concept of it for a younger audience. They, if we had people selling window awnings at <laughs> Momocon, it'd be really strange. And they would be like, why are they here? I don't understand. I don't appreciate this. It's not related to what I want to do. It doesn't bring me any value in that moment for what I'm doing. So it, it rings a little bit false and gotcha. a lot of brands don't want to have that kind of problem. So uh, our example that we use a lot when we talk about this kind of thing was Geico. Like we wouldn't necessarily want Geico out there hawking insurance one-on-one -on -one at, at one of our events, but then Geico did something that was a really interesting pivot in our space and they made a Geico gaming art like a uh, branch and they have a whole marketing branch of Geico Gaming where they go out of their way to spot. They bring out the mascot. The mascot has a gaming kind of outfit. 
They sponsored tournaments. They they understood how to appeal as even as a non-endemic to this audience very right. very well, and it just made it it made it more authentic. They're out there sponsoring PUBG tournaments and things on major stages and esports stuff, and it made it more friendly for the audience. That's so cool. Everybody needs insurance at some point. <laughs> That's true, and they need to gain exactly. Jessica, tell me about how are you changing things for 2021? Or are you setting a date to like make decisions for that? Or how does that work? We're monitoring the, the, you know, the U.S. situation every single day because who knows? The world is currently on fire. We'd like it to not be quite so much on fire. But um, we are planning for 2021 as an in-person event to go forward. But in addition to that, we're also planning just in case something happens. So, for example, we ran a digital event in May. We will be running another digital event in December of this year. Uh, and we haven't fully announced it yet, but we're going forward with it. And the idea is the December event is something we will carry forward even if there's not COVID. So we'll still have our in-person event in May, and then we will regularly have a December digital event so that it's less... Uh, reaction to COVID and more. Here's another offering. We found a lot of people who could not physically attend our our physical event came to our digital event, and we want to help that audience experience MomoCon in a different way, but still in a valuable way, and keep that going forward. How many attendees did you have for the digital event? I believe it was around forty or fifty thousand unique, kind of over the weekend. It's a, it was a four day event with twelve hours a day. Um, so it, it varies, but I think our statistics were around that. That is so impressive. Um, it is it's amazing. Your, your visitors, were they international or was it mostly based in America? Some of them were international. All of our content was English language based. So that would kind of limit a little bit of it. Uh, so, but yeah, they, uh, a lot of it was based in the United States. However, it was kind of, all over the place. I, I would say a lot of it was based in North America, actually, because we did have a pretty strong uptick from Canada, specifically. That's great. So go uh, think back to some of the most impressive costumes you've had for the cosplay. What, what are some of the highlights for you? I always like very large build outs. So you have people that do these huge eight foot tall, like, eight foot wide kind of wingspan costumes. I'm always impressed with those. And some of the, some of the world of Warcraft or uh, Warhammer 40 K kind of armor set costumes are super duper impressive. We've seen some like uh, strange mashup costumes. Uh, one of the pictures that I saw recently that I was sending out in like a press kit that I always appreciate is the Pac-Men ghosts, but they were like, you know, zombie style ghosts so they look like humans in um in space outfits colored like the pac-man ghost characters but they had like zombie makeup on their face so they were like undead like the ghosts were old astronauts in pac-man that were undead i thought that one was kind of cool that's so creative well what about you did you do you ever dress up or have you dressed up in the past what did you dress up as i'm very lazy i'm gonna be real honest and i (laughs) my talents lie elsewhere uh so they i definitely my air conditioning guy is here Uh, air conditioning 
Go let him in. Go let him in. We'll wait. All right, cool. We'll wait. We'll, we'll talk amongst ourselves. Hey, Teresa. Yeah. We need to go. We're, we need to go to MomoCon next year. Yeah, that sounds really fun. I think we should bring girls on film to MomoCon. That's a great idea. Oh my God. So Jessica has no AC. And her dog is going crazy with the Eric AC guy. Chihuahua. 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 <laughs> this is something I live every day. I know you do. You're fierce, fierce guard dogs. Yes. Yes. If a squirrel goes by, we're, you know, all hell breaks loose. Ooh, that's a big dog. Okay. <laughs> oh, my God. She's got a kick-ass website. Momocon.com. Yeah, I, I, was, I was looking at it. Yeah. Momocon.com. I love it. Yeah, we, we have to go next year. Hopefully, hopefully this COVID shit will make it okay for us. Please, Lord. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> I think someone just died. <laughs> I can't wait to keep all of this in the podcast. Let <laughs> <laughs> everybody listen. It's kind of fun to listen to, actually. Did somebody die? Jessica, it sounded like it sounded like somebody died. You're okay? Yeah. It was very scary. <laughs> okay, I'm back. He may come back. I'm sorry about my dog. We love it. We love dogs. Well, I have a miniature pincher mix and a chihuahua mix. So the chihuahua is just going nuts right now. Chihuahua. The other one is just blind. That dog is going to be a star. Jessica, I want to ask you about other like conferences that are similar to yours, other, um, you know, pop culture, art and, and anime, et cetera, other, other conferences that, um, are having to shut down. Tell me a little bit about what you see going on. Sure. We have a lot of peers in this space, a lot of people that run pop culture events. And everybody pretty much across the board has been shut down since March. Like very, very, very few people are actually holding any kind of in-person event because our events are so large on the scale that it's, social distancing is not something that is easy to do in this kind of environment that we that we live in. A lot of people are doing digital events. A lot of people are trying it. We've been collecting a lot of data points from other events, both from professional events, things like San Diego Comic-Con, to more fan-driven events, smaller events. And it really varies. We've seen a lot of success with live music performances online, but we've seen not as much success with celebrities. Uh, celebrities are a little bit oversaturated right now. A lot of people have, you know, meet, meet the voice of X, Y, or Z, or meet this face celebrity, or, or things like that. And some people are doing a lot of things, and some people are only doing a digital event during their original event date. So it varies a lot. Gotcha. Very good. Jessica, tell, tell us what makes your conference special and then how people can, can buy tickets for 2021. 
Sure. Momocon is uh, a lot different than just a Comic-Con or just a gaming show because we encompass a lot of things. There are so many things to do. We run 24 hours. We're more than just celebrities and a vendor hall. We're very, very, very interactive. There's something to do for everyone. And if you don't like... If you don't like one aspect of the event, you're definitely going to like another aspect of it. There's lots and lots of stuff to do. Professional development, cosplay, tournaments, competing and watching. There's high-level celebrities. It's, it's really fun. And people can check it out for 2021 by going to momocon.com. We have memberships available now for one day or all four days. Uh, we have a lot of options. We don't have information about things like our peripheral things like the Aquarium Night or the Career Fair just yet, but that'll be coming a little bit closer to the convention. All of this can be found at momocon.com. Uh, we have a lot of offerings. We have if people want to buy t-shirts, if they want to buy extra lanyards and things like that. We also have an online store available throughout the year. That's awesome. Jessica, how did you come up with the name Momocon? Well, Momo means peach, and we're in Atlanta and Georgia, which is the peach state. So that's kind of where, where it came from. And we thought it was cute. Very cute. That is cute. Jessica, thank you so much for being with us today. I appreciate it. And we're so impressed with what you do. And uh, Girls on Film would love to come and, and record at your next in-person MomoCon conference. Well, we'd love to have you. And if we can start having in-person events uh, again, we also do a set of events that are smaller kind of throughout the year. Oh, cool. Our big signature event, which is very unlikely to happen this year because of COVID uh, in that space is Cosplayers on Ice, where we take over one of the ice skating rinks in Atlanta in December and have people come out in costume and they have a great time. Cool visual. Oh, my God. That is fantastic. Well, we'll see. Hope you know. We'll see. Hopefully, the the next year will bring us some kind of sanity. This has been so exhausting so far. I'm really impressed with with the way you market horizontally and vertically. It's so impressive. I'm going to come over and take a class from you because I I need to learn about how you do all this stuff. It's fan. It's brilliant. It's really well done. Yeah, I think we could learn a lot about a lot of things from Jessica. Yep. I, yep, me. I do agree. I agree. I'm just stubborn, and I never stop trying. I never stop, even when it was, you know, oh, that didn't work. We're we're gonna keep going with something else, I guess. <laughs> I love that. I love that about you, and I love that you're a, a a woman entrepreneur, founder in a space that is traditionally male. That is true. There are not a whole lot of people that have my position in in the fandom or fan convention space that are women. No, no, you're a rock star. You're a rock star. Jessica, we will be in touch. We'd love to have you back again. Thank you so much for being with us on Girls on Film. Thanks for having me. You want to take us out? All right, everybody. We are Girls on Film and we are out. <laughs> <laughs>